Thanks to Crime Malt. This is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News. And as ever, I'm joined by my good friend, colleague and all-round good beer guy, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. G'day, Matt. G'day, listeners. Good to be back. Uh, how's your week been? Yeah, not too bad. Enjoyed a few nice beers and um, some nice company. And I even last night partook of um, a couple of uh, quite nice brewery fresh Carlton Draft pots at my at my uh, local establishment. What occasion that? Did they not have uh, craft beer on? <laughs> no, they did. Yeah, I could have actually got a, a, a pint of Furfy for six for six bucks. Uh, alongside, um, I don't know what beer you got for the eight dollars uh, fifty for a Palmer and Pot um, between six and eight thirty. So that gives you a, a bit of an indication, I guess, of the the stature uh, of, of where you of were. This particular pub, but I, I will just point out uh, they were setting up last night for tonight. So Tuesday night trivia night, Wednesday night's poker, Thursday karaoke, and Friday is um, table service. I thought, geez, that's that's not bad for. A, and, and I should point out that, uh, the. The sports bar at this particular establishment is called the Lager Bar, um, <laughs> without any word of a joke. Um, <laughs> and I thought, it's interesting they have table table service, but it's it's scantily clad um, females who come and can I get <laughs> can I get you a beer that you pay for and I'll come and bring it over. So, yeah, but there you go. Right. Uh, but no, okay. no, no, uh, no. A good mate of ours, um, a, a group that I've the tribe. Um, you know, we've been together since uh, well, some of us since kindergarten. Days and then most of us sort of uh, met and became friends uh, during sort of late primary school, early high school, and uh, been you know families have sort of grown up together and all that sort of thing. And we catch up quite a bit. And uh, one of the guys passed away eight years ago yesterday. So every um, on his anniversary, uh, a group of us just sort of get together, and uh, that's the day that I drink Carlton Draft. And it, so that was the reason why you didn't take the family out for uh, table service night. That's right. That's right. Well, also, you know, you know, no, no I'm not going to say anything. I don't, I don't go and interrupt Carol at work. <laughs> so what else? Um... I shouldn't say that because she's in the other room. She's working from home today, so she'll hear me. Uh, no. <laughs> so, so, so what beers do you, have you tried this week? Uh, yeah, well, I, um, uh, the Newtowner from uh, Young Henry's, which is their Australian pale ale. I had that. And mm-hmm. I tried a couple out of the, uh, the Black Box from uh, Four Pines, which is their... Their latest, which I think is a really interesting look. Marketing-wise, they make it look really, really schmick and really um, inviting and that sort of thing. So far, I've only had the, the Schwarz beer, which I thought was uh, a really good example um, of a, you know, a very drinkable dark lager. Really, really, yep. really nice. And uh, the Black IPA, which I thought ticked all the boxes as well. Yeah, well, we've um, I'd just had our burst of Brisbane cold weather this week. Uh, we were the first to get that. Uh, nasty weather that's made us way down the east coast mm. and uh, I used the opportunity to break out my Four Pines uh, dark beer pack as well and uh, a great beautifully packaged and you know you, it looks great on the shelf and the, the beers do exactly what they say on the box so uh, very nicely balanced uh, very drinkable uh, dark beers so yeah no um, and, and it, it, it's a big call to bring out a four pack of dark beers um, all in 500s as well all in 500s because you know you, you do get a little bit of a uh, you know, raised noses at Four Pines for being, you know, dare we say, a commercial oh. brewery amongst the, you know, those craft beers. You know, they're they're a big, successful craft brewery. Um, so yeah, so for them to bring out beers like that that um, aren't, you know, exactly mainstream, but bring out nicely balanced, uh, you know, big dark beers, they've and, done really, really well. And you touched on something then too, Matt. Isn't it funny how the like all the senses, if if you want. 
Um, and it really sort of, I guess, highlights just how much beer is about occasion. But when you are looking out at the damp, dark, ominous skies and you go, geez, it's a nice night to be indoors, and even if it's a, a Schwarz beer, you're sipping it from a nice big glass and, and sort of giving it a bit of a swirl and looking at the world outside and thinking, this is, this is not, a, not a bad way to spend an evening. So yeah, the beer really kind of contributes to that, or the weather contributes to the appreciation of that beer. You could just, you know, pour it, go, oh, it's four pines, oh, it's just a black lager, yeah, next. Or you can actually just, I guess, let the occasion envelop you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so, um, yeah. Um, anything else you tried? I'm just trying to think of uh, anything notable I tried this week. Um, actually, I have to say, Prof, I, I was up at Craft, which is my local bottle shop. G'day to uh, Liz yes, and the boys yeah. up there. Um, and yeah, I, I just sort of went up and just sort of found myself very unenthusiastic because I didn't feel like hops this week. It wasn't really hops weather, but I had my Four Pines dark beers. I did try, um, it's the beer from, it's the De Havman, um, De Havman, yep. Mm. which is from Rouge. Rouge, um, in Belgium, um, which made news this week. It's a fairy tale town. A- it's a fairy tale fucking town, isn't it? How can a fairy tale town not be somebody's fucking thing? How can all those canals and bridges and cobble streets and those churches and all that beautiful fucking fairy tale stuff, how can that not be somebody's fucking thing, eh? It is, and they're the only brewery that actually brews in Bruges. Um, but they're also building a three-kilometre beer pipeline that they were in the news for this week. So, um, so to... they don't have to... Uh, they, they were just um, doing plans for it when we were in Bruges uh, a couple of years ago. Um, they were talking about uh, the, the planning of it, um, so that they don't have to disrupt the um, um, the 80 trucks off the very narrow road. Yeah, and the, the landscape and and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, and they I, I saw their name come up. I visited uh, De Man when I was over there four years ago, three years ago, and uh, it was an amazing little brewery. And uh, yeah, I saw that they featured again in the medals this year. Yes. Um, and they very proudly present their, you know, display their AIBA medals in the brewery. So uh, I, I saw that they've got a wild triple, um, which I, I thought was very interesting because when you do the brewery tour, it's all very, it's, it's a very old building that they have fairly modern brewing equipment and you, you go through and see the tower where they've got the old uh, um, cool ship, um, which is where beers were originally cooled overnight, which is where the wild yeast would settle onto them right up in the um, tower. But it was just presented as a uh, you know, curio as opposed to a functioning part of the brewery. But they've uh, started getting back into sours now as well. Um, so that was an interesting little bit of a beer. But, uh, um, yeah, and apart from that, I'd, I've just been sticking a little bit to the regular panel this week. Oh, there you go. Yeah, no, so not nothing to interest. No. Uh, but in, in other news, actually, the, the one other beer I did try, it was the beer that was brewed specially for, by Newstead Brewing for the Blood, Sweat and Craft Beers running team. Um, a, a couple of years ago, two of the young bucks of uh, the, the craft beer scene, um, Jared Pellew and uh, Jimmy Gold, started a running team to compete in the City to South um, which is a little bit like the city to surf in Sydney, and I think Melbourne's got an equivalent. Um, and I think the first year there was only like two or three of the blokes, but this year there was almost 50 um, of the craft beer community who soldiered on through the 14-kilometre run. In, uh, in, and, in very uh, dry but very cool conditions, I believe, Matt. It was. We had the wind and the rain, the, the, the gales come through on Saturday, and uh, but it fired, it fired up, but it was... Uh, Unusually cold for Brisbane, which uh, actually made some pleasant running conditions, and the wind wasn't as bad as we thought. But 
Um, yeah, no, so, so they made a beer, a fundraiser beer at Newstead, um, that went on a whole lot of venues around town, um, as a karma keg. And I haven't seen the updated figures, but they've, they had raised well over $30,000, um, as a team, you know, including individual, um, donations and a whole lot of bars got behind it. And, uh, you know, $30,000 cool. raised for Beyond Blue, um, out of a total, I think the city to south, raised around about 110,000. So they've almost raised a quarter. This one team has raised it. Um, but uh, the most interesting thing for me is just the amount of negotiation and, uh, you know, that got, has to go with Beyond Blue because it's an alcohol event. It's an event that has alcohol at the heart of it. And charity is very, very funny about working, you know, particularly Being depression. Be, yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas, where you know, in fact, yeah, look... For my two cents worth. <laughs> um, this week, you know, the alcohol, the Foundation for Alcohol Research and something or other uh, came out and, you know, basically shit can Melbourne for having uh, 20,000 liquor licenses. You know, we're the king of liquor licenses. Um, and there's a direct correlation between that and family violence and all the rest. And we're thinking, you know what? No, there's not. Um, you can you can make figures sing, you know, whatever song you want. But at the end of the day, people are responsible for their own actions and beer's not, or whatever, you know, $6 goon bag is not going to turn you into an idiot. It's just going to, it's only going to bring out what you've already got, whatever you're capable of, I believe. Um, and so I think, in fact, um, if a lot of people learn to, I guess, you know, embrace uh, a lot of the things that are good about uh, enjoying a beer with friends, with a meal, with occasion, uh, that perhaps, you know, uh, it would actually work in the opposite way to what a lot of the wowsers are sort of thinking about. But that's that's for down the track, I guess. Yeah, and I've actually wanted to get um, someone from FAIR uh, on to, to have a bit of a discussion because, I mean, they're obviously an advocacy group, and so they've got an agenda to push, and so as with any agenda, you push the, you know, you, you don't target the middle ground, you target the... You know, not extreme, probably, but I mean they are a little bit extreme in what they call for, um, because it is a very interesting issue to to talk about. But it's it's one of the reasons why um, I keep coming back to, as members of the craft beer community and as people who are passionate about beer, that we have a responsibility for the way that we portray beer, um, because you know, and, and we've talked about it in the past that you know I am very careful of um, you know late night social media photos because you know. You, if, if you're portraying a certain image of craft beer or you're talking about your hangover the next day or you're tweeting, oh, this is my 36th beer for the night, you, you just by implication are not always portraying the best aspect of beer. Yeah. And we can talk all we want about, you know, flavour and effect, you know, flavour, not effect, and drink less, drink better. But it's, you know, talking, it, 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 it's actually projecting that, um, in, in, in our actions, and uh, yeah, so that, that's why it was a little bit disappointing that you know, as, as the night wore on, these guys went on a um, bit of a um, pub crawl. Um, again, an unfortunate expression, but they sort of visited all of the venues that had the karma keg on um, to to thank them um, and had a few beers there. And then you sort of get people sort of starting to post the photos as the you know ill effects, and it, that, that to me summed up. So on one hand, you're really wanting to give. Your support behind a fantastic charity, um, but on the other hand, you know, be careful of shooting it, it, ourselves in the foot. Be careful of shooting ourselves in the foot. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to go off on that today. But uh, no, but congratulations to Jimmy and um, and Jared for what they've created because um, it really has been an awesome 
um, fundraising event that they've created that you know is really putting back a lot of and it's not you know uh, anti-alcohol campa- campaigners might say this is just a front for big breweries it's absolutely not this is you know 50 people using their contacts um, you know and Facebook to um, and creating beers to, to raise charity for a very good cause um, and, and, and it was awesome so it was awesome to see so many people who are not runners um, get themselves out and do a little bit of training um, and get through a 14 kilometre run, which is no easy, um, no easy feat. And not that it's and, competition uh, or anything, Matt, but uh, 14.1k's. How, what, what sort of uh, time did you post? It was actually 13.8k's in the end. Oh, um, you did take for, that shortcut. The change of the course. <laughs> no, no. Um, I posted 72.04, so it's about five minutes 15 um, per kilometre, which uh, I was actually pretty pleased about. I, I, I bested that by quite a deal the first time I ran it two years ago, but uh, I'd been doing a bit more training back then. Uh, this year I'd only had about four or five weeks uh, training, so I was, I was quite pleased with it. And I have to thank uh, Neil uh, Whitten from um, uh, now Stone and Wood, formerly of Matilda Bay, who came up and joined the, the, the team. And Neil, for those who don't know him, he has been, I think he started at CUB back in the 80s. Way prof. back, yeah. Yeah, Mick, yeah. Mick John Tefira. Yeah, and uh, then he was with Matilda Bay for a long, long time. And uh, I think when they closed the, the brew house, the boys from Stonewood offered him a job and he's now mentoring all of the young brewers that are there. And you couldn't have a better guy to do it. Um, but Neil is a is a frequent runner and he's just a wiry... You know, as an ambassador for someone that has been in the brewing industry for a long time. Without giving away his age, let's just say that uh, those who, who work with him and know him and love him refer to him um, affectionately as Pops. Yeah, and he's got a, he's got a decade plus on me. Um, and we were having a bit of a chat before and he said that he was aiming for around about the 75 minute um, run. So I thought, oh, look, I'm going to stick with you because that's about the, you know, you can be my pacer and that's about the pace I was looking for. And in the crush, it was such a crush at the start. <laughs> at what um, point did he race ahead of you, Matt? And... Well, well we, we, we lost each other in the crowd. And um, uh, then suddenly he patted me on the shoulder um, and sort of said, oh, yeah, here you go. And, uh, but then, you know, because it is a crush, he managed to, to get around somebody. And I was behind a couple of people who were a little bit slower than me, a little bit larger. And so I couldn't quite work my way around them. And so I'm seeing Neil uh, disappear in the, in, in the foreground. So I'm just sort of focused on, right, how can I get around these people? And finally I did, and I looked up and I couldn't see him. I thought... Jesus, he's, yeah, he was foxing, he was sandbagging, he's taken off. And uh, so I set off after him, looking, 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 and sort of trying to find my path through. And I couldn't find him for the, for the whole race. I'm thinking, Jesus, he must have taken off. And I uh, met him at the um, the bar afterwards, the hoo-ha bar afterwards, and uh, he, he sort of came up to me shaking his head and said, Mate, you are a jackrabbit. And I said, what do you mean? I was trying to catch you. And apparently in, I, I'd, I'd lost sight of him and then just overtaken him. Well, yeah, just sort of chasing after chasing after him. Um, I ran right right past him in the crowd, and then he's trying to catch up with me. But um, so I was pacing myself with a ghost because he wasn't in front of me at all. So I think I would have gone much slower had it not been for the fact that I thought I was chasing him when uh, he was chasing me. So um, yeah, so Neil, uh, thank you, uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, yeah, it was a good run. Neil, but, uh, also until, until uh, a couple of years ago, Neil uh, used to. Uh, Run drinks for the um, Adelaide Crows AFL Footy Club when they were in town. Get out of town. Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. I didn't. He, he's, he's got a look of an old uh, footballer. So uh, the old yeah. trainer kind of. Yeah, exactly. But I reckon, yeah, if you're looking at you know, beer, the beautiful truth, um, he should be your poster boy because he's he's certainly the arch type. You know, the the complete opposite of the uh, you know the 
rather rotund brewer with the busted capillaries in his nose yeah. and, the, <laughs> and all of that sort of thing. He's he's exactly uh, how I'd like to look in. Uh, you know, I, I won't say how long, Very but well you know, certainly. Yeah, so uh, yeah, good on you. But uh, no, well, well done to the boys and uh, or to, actually not to the boys, the, the whole team because it was a, a great crew of uh, men and women. But yeah, uh, to, the guys. to the people, oh, you can't say guys now either. We can't. Well, we can't say blokes. We can't say guys. We can't say you know whatever the the, the, the people who put it all together. Because it's got man in it. Well, it, it it actually was blokes who put the team together, um, and then it was a whole group of people who participated in the oh, team. Like so Rocky well, Reed, um, Georgie. Levy, those sort of those sort of guys, they wouldn't mind yeah, being lumped uh, in with Jill, their guys. Jill from the mill. Um, Jill from the mill. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So uh, yeah, but uh, no, no, well done. Anyway, so uh, now, Prof, talk us through. Uh, now it, it's it's your show today, um, by and large. So talk us through who you've lined up. Yeah, I've teed up for us to have a quick chat with uh, Justin Joyner, who many people will know from uh, the local tap houses in St Kilda and in Darlinghurst, who's been involved with the tap house and. Uh, through that, uh, Gab's Spectaculars um, and other various events put on by the Tap House. And the guys have, um, well, Justin is now part of a new business sprung out of Guy, Steve and Justin at the Tap House, Stomping Ground Brewing Company. So they started their own brewery. And we also are going to chat with Asher Hall, who is their brewer. Well, let's do that then. Justin Joyner and Asher Hall. Welcome to Radio Brews News. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, mate. G'day, Prof. Justin, we might start with you, uh, because I guess you've uh, been involved in the project perhaps uh, a little bit longer, as in since its inception. Um, but before that, when I guess it was just a twinkle in the uh, the, the eyes of the, the Tap House founders, uh, tell us a little bit about your background with the Tap House uh, in hospitality and then how that's come into uh, your involvement with Stomping Ground Brewing Company. Okay, yeah, well, we, um, I came on board with Steve and Guy, um, when the local tap house in St Kilda, um, was, uh, first opened back in the, in February 2008, um, and have been running that venue ever since. Um, I was also involved in, in going up to Sydney and opening the local tap house Darlinghurst, um, the following February or March in 2009. Um, and we, those venues went on to be, um, pretty successful, um, in the, in the world of craft beer. And we've, we constantly sort of, the, the model was based around rotating taps and getting as many, um, great beers as we could get from, um, either local breweries or, or breweries from all over the world. Um, and then, and also some, some, um, big events like spectaculars and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then about two and a half years ago, I think it was, Steve um, spent a bit of time, about 12 months living in New York City, um, and he was doing a lot of research over there, looking at um, various uh, different uh, craft beer businesses and, and different models and different ways of doing things. And Guy and I um, were holding the fort back in, in Melbourne and Sydney, and, um, and when Steve got back, the plan was kind of hatched to... Um, we, we thought there was an opportunity in Melbourne to do... Um, a brew pub type model close to the city with a, um, a really great seven day a week hospitality offer. So, um, that's what we set out to do with Stomping Ground. Now, originally, uh, there were plans that got pretty close to fruition in the, um, in the Melbourne GPO building. Um, was this kind of then, okay, we can't do that for various reasons. Uh, let's look at the concept in a different location. 
Uh, well, that was a bit of a different concept. That was that wasn't going to have a brewery. It was more of a like a European style um, beer hall concept, um, and which was probably going to um, suit that venue um, to a T because it's such a beautiful building. Um, but for a range of reasons, um, that one didn't get off the ground, and this was um, this was the next idea really that came along and, um, and that we all agreed on, and we were all kind of um, uh, really keen to realise. And uh, so tell us, Stomping Ground uh, is, for, for those not in Melbourne, uh, is in Collingwood. So if you're in Sydney, it's kind of like saying Manly. Um, so are you going to call it like Abbotsford North or something rather than having to call it Collingwood? Or is it, or is it proudly <laughs> Collingwood's first brewery for a while? Uh, it's, it's definitely proudly Collingwood, Collingwood's first brewery for a bit over 100 years. Um, and despite Steve being a passionate pies man, we are going to... Uh, um, certainly not um, dwell on anything that's black and white, that's for sure. <laughs> so you, you, you've, you've already intimated there's a brewery, but there's also going to be a fairly um, special hospitality uh, offering as well. Yeah, so the, um, it's a fairly large space. It's a, it's a 1,500 square metre um, warehouse. About a third of it is taken up by the brewery um, and probably a little bit less than a third is um, kitchen and um, amenities and staff areas and that sort of thing, and then um, then the rest is is a big hospitality space, um, which we're really excited about. We're taking a um, a big section of of roof off and creating a beer garden for about 150 people with um, you know lots of greenery and hanging baskets and uh, mature trees and that sort of stuff. And then um, uh, we've got a, a big inside area with a um, a fireplace. Um, some booth seating along the wall of the brewery so you can sit there and have your lunch and watch Asher do his thing. Um, and then a big commercial kitchen as well with a wood-fired oven um, that we'll be uh, pumping out some pizzas from um, as well as a whole range of other food. And um, and we'll be trading seven days a week um, till midnight early in the week and then 1 a.m. on the weekends. Justin, one of the things, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big thing for the, the Tap House, which has been phenomenally successful, um, both as the Tap House itself and then spawning the uh, Gabs Festival. Um, but it's a big move to open your own brewery because one of the things you often hear from venues when breweries have got brewery bars in the neighbourhood is the venues that are buying the beer um, from the brewery are also competing with the brewery at their own cellar door. Do you think that's going to happen in reverse with with uh, the, the the tap house? You guys have always been so supportive of, of breweries that suddenly you can risk putting yourselves in competition, having your own brewing arm. Um, yeah, look, I think there's there's potential for that um, to be an issue, but I think it's about um, how you manage that and and what your attitude is. I mean, we um, uh, for example, with the first keg outside of the um, the tap houses went on at um, Rupert on Rupert, which is a little bar and pizza place just around the corner from us in Collingwood. And um, they've just been amazing supporters of ours through the whole build and and, um, and just really keen to um, to get our beer on and that sort of thing. And I think um, that's the kind of attitude we kind of want to foster, that, that we're all in this together. We, we, yeah, we might be competing, but then, um, you know, we, we still want to... Um, be able to support other people uh, as we always have done, and which is why the tap houses will um, remain independent and still have their rotating list from all kinds of breweries. Um, and we're going to be doing our own thing as well. I, I don't think it's um, it's 
something that's going to be too much of an issue for us. So, Justin, there are no immediate plans to, you know, for example, we're not going to walk into the tap house tomorrow and find that, uh, you know, 17 of the uh, 19 beer taps are all of a sudden uh, various stomping ground beers. It'll still be, uh, I guess, treated the same as any other uh, vendor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, it's something that we're we are um, really careful that we have put a lot of thought into. We've worked so hard for so long for the tap houses to establish themselves and their identity, um, and that being independent and and showcasing the best beers we can get from whoever um, and wherever. So we are loath to um, to mess that up by just uh, turning them into um, you know places where you can where it's all our beers. So there'll be a couple of taps in, um, at each of the tap houses, definitely, um, which just makes sense and it gives us another opportunity to showcase our beers. But the what the um, tap houses have always stood for is is certainly going to remain. Justin, so much of what you guys have done, you know, you've been so supportive and you've really been great incubators for so much in the craft beer movement, both you know, bringing people who are just entering, um, you know, change, just starting to see their taste change and you've been great in have, always having beers on that anyone can uh, approach. And then you've also had, you know, catering for people who are, you know, at the more adventurous scale of, of the, the, the beer movement. What um, does stomping? What is stomping ground hoping to bring to the, through the beers that you guys are, are making? You know, do, do you see um, yourselves adding to, to the great diversity that we've got now, or what, what's the brewing approach you're going to bring? Um, it's a really good point, and it's um, it's something that we've spent a lot of time um, discussing and, and planning for, and um, and uh, Asher in, in consultation with Asher with regard to the beers, but. The, what we really want to do is make um, really great quality beers that are that are accessible that people um, can enjoy, um, but we also want to have um, some diversity there so that there is um, an opportunity for people that want to explore um, the more uh, esoteric styles, if you like. Um, we want to have something for that, for them, um, but we also want to have something that is, that is a bit more approachable so that. Um, in the same way that we, we sort of structure the list at the tap house, there's, there is something for everyone. Um, it's, that, that range is not something we're going to get through in five minutes. It's going to be something that we're going to have to um, work towards and, and work out, um, you know, how much beer we're going through and, and, and find a balance there. We're not going to have a crazy array of styles um, uh, at the expense of, of quality or um, at the expense of, of supply. But we would um, like to have sort of somewhere between um, three and six core beers that are, um, you know, a pale ale, an IPA, um, a stout, uh, and, and a couple of others that are um, quite approachable, still um, really well-made beers, but quite approachable. And then as many um, one-offs and limited editions and, and rotating um, sort of uh, styles as we can manage um, in and keep up with supply for. Well, it's often said that a, you know, a really good venue will get people in, but at the end of the day, it's the beer that will get them to stay and then to come back. And that's probably as good an opportunity as any to uh, introduce Asher Hall, uh, who is the man who, uh, at the end of the day, is going to be responsible for uh, for that part of the, the operation. Asher, for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about uh, your brewing history and then um, tell us about uh, the Stomping Ground beers. Well, uh, I... Started brewing. I got. I first started working in a brewery, I suppose, back in uh, 2009. Uh, that was when I was studying engineering in Wollongong at the time. 
And I got a gig working at the bar, at the Five Islands Brewery Bar, down on the beach there. If anyone's been to Wollongong, they'll know it pretty well. And Andrew Gow at the time was the head brewer, who's now down at Mornington. Uh, we got along pretty well from the get-go. And within a couple of weeks, he said, oh, well, look, I can probably use some help over in the brewery if you're keen to come over. And so from there, I went over and I was helping him clean kegs, clean tanks, fill kegs. And after, say, probably a month and a half, two months, he'd been looking for work elsewhere and said from there, he'd train me up and, um, you know, I could take over with one of the other guys from the bar who ended up being Sean Blissett, who's now at Wayward. And pretty much from there, we got a fairly extreme short course in brewing and <laughs> took over the <clears throat> took over the operation. So from you know, working in a bar, doing engineering, I still finished engineering, still did it the whole time, but um, basically took over running a brewery with Sean Blissett and uh, we did that for four or five years uh, pretty successfully, doing a lot of contract years as well as our own. Um, and so towards the end of 2013, I was getting, uh, I suppose, not getting itchy feet, but pretty keen to, to move out. Um, I was coming to the end of my degree. I wanted to have a bit of a plan ahead of me. And so I'd, I'd, you know, approached a couple of different people about potential for work down the track. And that word got through to Steve at the tap house at the time. And, uh, he sent me a message. I think it was maybe November, December 2013 saying if I was ever keen to move down to Melbourne, um, to give him a holler because he, he might have something coming up and that sparked a bit of interest in me. So I, Organised to meet up with him in January 2014. And I came down and we had a bit of a chat, a lunch, had some beers, discussed his ideas, or you know, everyone's ideas. But um, I was just with him that time, and yeah, from there we met a few more times at various points when I came down to Mel- when I'd come down to Melbourne for either a wedding or whatnot or a good beer week, and uh, that ended up with a trip to the states in July August of that year, 2014 bit of a research trip with Guy and Steve. We travelled around the east coast from Oregon. We we drove from Oregon, from Portland, down through Bend, um, San Francisco, uh, then flew down to San Diego, saw some of the best breweries in the States by far, and flew across to Colorado afterwards, saw some great breweries, uh, had a lot of great beers, and got a lot of good ideas from that trip. It wasn't It wasn't just a purely... You know, getting smashed trip. There was a lot of, you know, it was going to, God, I don't know, some days I don't even know how many breweries we went to. We'd just go to brewery bar after brewery bar, getting ideas, tasting the beers, looking at the lists, seeing what was, what we thought would work well and maybe what not. And, um, yeah, shortly after we got back from that trip, I got the offer. So, planned to move down and, uh, it was January last year actually I moved down. And so from there, We've uh, we've been playing, well going through going over a few hurdles and having to cut some red tape and whatnot at stomping ground, but now well and truly into the swing of things. So that's I suppose how I got involved. The, the long story of how I got involved. Um, uh, and mate, it's probably pretty good, uh, pretty lucky that you're such a, a a top bloke and a genius brewer and a very good um, engineer, because I'm pretty sure that all those places you named are actually on the west coast. Um, but yes, just in case you ever wanted to take up <laughs> geography. Um, what did I say? East Coast. Did yeah, I say East Coast? Mate. Oh, you no. Only, you only got it half wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I didn't even realise I said that. 
Yeah, we'll get we'll get Lockie to play that back on a loop for you just to just to, just to confirm it. <laughs> right, oh, good, good. Hey, listen, mate, just just quickly before you start talking about the beers, um, good yeah. friend of the program, uh, Andrew Gow, and probably a guy who at the end of the day is so laid back he makes he makes sandals look edgy, um, and just a really <laughs> like you know just nothing phases him kind of guy. Then on the mm. other end of the spectrum, you've got Steve Jeffers who is just always a hundred mile an hour. How, how have you yep. found sort of working with those two guys? Because obviously there's, you can't help but be inspired by the passion that, that, that Steve has. Have you found that, um, I guess, getting, starting stomping ground from the, from the ground up, um, has been, uh, a challenge either, you know, in a positive way, um, with, with Steve's drive behind it? Oh, no, I wouldn't say Steve's drive is, is a challenge. I'd say it's, like, it's definitely interesting to work with. Over all three of these guys, Justin, Guy, and Steve, um, they've all got very different personalities. And Steve, yeah, he's very driven, and I've, I've sort of noticed that once he gets an idea. Working also with Gabs last year um, on the brewery stall side of things, and just seeing it from behind the scenes, there's there's a real drive from all three of them. But yeah, Steve comes up with these ideas, and you think, oh god, that's not possible. But somehow they they work, and well, they're made to work, and so it's it's good. Like it's it's constantly he's constantly pushing himself which means he's pushing everyone else around him um as with andy i yeah so i'd worked with him for maybe about six months down in wollongong or up in wollongong i should say geography again uh, and then i came down here last year at the start of, start of the year in january didn't have any work and so I worked with him for and the mornington boys which was great it was lucky um to get a gig down there last year while we were sort of in limbo um but yeah, as you say, he's laid back. But he he can also be uh, he can also get fairly wound up if he wants to. But um, yeah, two very different characters, and, and great to work with with both of them. Yeah, always very fun working with Andy. We can have some pretty fire exchanges though. Don't don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about the the stomping ground beers. So as Justin alluded to before, we've we've done a fair bit of talking about what we're going to provide and what we're going to what we're going to produce and that sort of that really came about oh what since when i've been involved what what we did one day is we sat down we decided what beers we really liked we sort of thought you know name 20 beers write down 20 beers that you'd like and we came up with a list that we that we all agreed on and then from there we said with that list then we'd go off and number it one through to 20 and so the top one through to 10s got put into a bunch from from all four of ours uh, from all four of our choices, and so from those top ten, we went one one through to ten again, and for the, you know, from ten through to or eleven through to twenty, we rejudged that ourselves or renumbered that, and we came up with a list that was even though I've just been told again today we've got twenty four taps, not uh, not eighteen to work with, but um, <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of beers that we're going to go through, um, but uh, as you know, those some of those taps are double taps, so we may have a pale ale on each side of the bar, for example, or a lager and a lager or an IPA. Um, but yeah, so the the first six beers that we we hope to offer in terms of say the core range would be they're, they're by and large hop driven, which is really just the way it's what we like as well as what what people tend to like these days. So you know we've got a pale ale and IPA, we might have a red IPA in that top six. We might have an American style wheat ale in that top six, which is 
which is quite hoppy as well. And then, you know, we've got a lager. We'll have a stout of some sort and perhaps maybe a brown ale. But from there, we'll, we'll move on and we'll have other things that are regular at the bar that you'll be able to get all the time at the bar, which may be another four to six beers. And they may be something, you know, a little bit more out there, say a little bit higher alcohol stout or, or brown ale or, or bigger IPA. And then we'll have rotating seasonals that we may do every year, but we'll do them over, say, summer, winter, autumn and spring. Um, I should have... Oh, sorry, I forgot to mention. We, we will have a saison uh, that'll be maybe not in our top six if, if, you know, it'll definitely be in our top ten as one of our standard beers, um, just for that bit of variety. And I'm really keen, and I noticed this this year as well, I'm keen to do more with Belgian styles that, I mean... Out of these uh, seven collaborations that we ended up doing, we were meant to do eight, but that just didn't come to fruition. But most people wanted to do Belgian-style beers that I was talking to. Most of the other brewers we were talking about were like, oh, well, what can we do? We'll do something a little bit different. Oh, let's do something Belgian. Because I've found that brewers love brewing Belgian styles, but we just we don't get to do as much of it because although people do, you know, customers do like Belgian beers, they don't. They don't seem to drink pints and pints of them or, you know, glass after glass, whereas a pale ale or an IPA, even if the IPA is higher in alcohol, you'll just you'll sell more of it. So yeah, that's uh, always been something that's uh, surprised me a little bit because I, I, I just think that a Belgian, like a, a Belgian pale, just the basic pale, not the double or the triple, is just a crackingly good beer to, to, just to enjoy drinking, particularly if you're having it with food. So it, it's always surprised me that we haven't seen more of those um, locally. Mm, I agree. Oh, I love them. I love them. They've got a lot more, well, a little bit more complexity, so than a standard West Coast or East Coast uh, American pale <laughs> ale or IPA, because <laughs> you've got that different yeast character, the spice, and the malt plays off differently against the yeast as well. So it's and and they develop far differently, say than a, you know, than your standard American style ale or English style ale. They do tend to get, they do tend to age well. Um, the phenolics soften off a bit, but yeah, I'm I'm keen to do some more with Belgian strains and experiment a little bit there, and definitely. Asher, Asher, in that list you gave us, I, I didn't hear any mention of belly button yeast or whale vomit. Oh, here he um, goes again. <laughs> no, no, not maybe not just yet. I mean, it's probably going to take me a while to get the, the list up. I don't know. I don't know how easy it is to come by ambergris. <laughs> Well, yeah. actually, got, you've got you've got six more taps than you thought you did at the start of this conversation. So uh, you know, yeah, well, <laughs> there's room to play. And what like what we would like to do as well, and what I'm definitely keen to do is get some sours on the go. But there's something that's a bit more long term. So we may be able to do you know we can do Berliner Weisses pretty quickly, but uh, other things like Flemish Red style beers or Gertzes or anything like that, Lambics will take a bit more time, and they'll also require <laughs> barrels, which have been exceedingly hard to come by. I, I used to have pretty good luck at getting them, but now it's um, there's such a high demand for barrels, whether they be wine, whiskey, um, or port, that uh, it's, it's becoming a tough job. So, yeah, that will be that'll definitely be on the cards as well as soon as we can get. But I reckon up. Steve Jeffers' next project will be starting a cooperage. <laughs> Don't suggest it. <laughs> He's already thought of it, trust me. <laughs> I reckon he might have done. 
But the the, the staves will be uh, will be cut from trees that he's already growing on a plantation somewhere in in preparation for that. That's how big he thinks. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, well, I guess um, just looking ahead to opening dates, where can people find out a little bit more about the the, the, the brewery and uh, you know, um, you know where, where can we sample the beers around the country uh, for those who can't get down to, to Melbourne in the near future? Um, to start with, we're we're only on at a handful of venues um, in the local area and a couple of uh, isolated uh, other venues through friends of ours. We're on at um, uh, at the Pickle Burgers in in the Gold Coast, um, Burley, sorry, and and Brisbane and Sydney. Um, we've got some beer on at um, Frankie's Pizza by the Slice at the moment in Sydney, um, and we've been on up at the um, Three Blue Ducks at Byron Bay as well. Um, just through people that we know, we haven't really um, uh, pushed the wholesaling thing um, all that much just yet. Um, in terms yes. of so we, should, we, 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 we should just explain the link. Ash has just got out of the car. Oh, sorry. Okay, <laughs> it's gotten really loud. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting back in. I'm getting back in. <laughs> um, in terms of finding out information about what we're up to, stompingground.beer is our website. Um, you can join the mailing, mailing list there, and um, and we'll be sending out info. Um, we and in the meantime, we've obviously got beer on it on a couple of taps at both the tap houses as well. Um, and we are looking at launching the venue in around about um, nine or ten weeks, so mid-August. Well, well, we'll look out for that. Well, guys, thank you very much for joining us on Radio Brews. You say all the best, Asher, getting those uh, questions answered and getting getting everything built. <laughs> Thanks. Yep. <laughs> Cheers, thanks for having us. In a garden, what a garden. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Well, there you go, Matt. I hope you enjoyed my take on doing an interview with our special guests. We've got two today, which is good. It's a little bit of a bargain. For our listeners, yeah, well, yeah, two, two, probably, yeah, just we wanted to touch base um, with, with a couple of things, and we do have a bit of a backlog after our three weeks of uh, gap. So thanks for teeing up that prop, yeah. And, mate, people seem to want to hear more prof, um, and you know, we 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 do want to get those Patreon uh, subscriptions up. So we we do want to uh, make sure that people are getting what they want. You're suggesting that if I promise to talk more, or if you if you promise to let me talk more, that that will then encourage people to that's that's bribery or blackmail. Well, well, we'll come a little bit more to that in the into the cards and letters after this, this interview. But yeah, no, um, people do seem to want to hear more prof. Whenever you uh, do uh, do do an interview, they, they, we always seem to get a rush of people saying, "Oh, great interview, prof!" So I thought, well, there you go. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah. we, we can't be any more. Um, what's the word? Um, transparent. Hey, yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, hey Matt, haven't you always wanted to know what your beer looks like before it's poured for you? Mate, I, oh, mate, you, you are. I, I don't know. I didn't get you up front more. Uh, I'm in rare form. It's not, no, this you know, is not going to make any sense at the moment to the listeners until we introduce our next guest. But 
Go on. Yeah, so, so uh, our next guest, and I will introduce the next one because um, Matthew O'Keefe, who we've talked uh, about in the past, he's been a frequent correspondent. He works with CUB, he's their intellectual property guy. Um, very passionate, be a very avid listener. Um, and he sent us an email uh, last week saying, boys, supreme work in Melbourne, uh, gee whiz, Mazen teed off, uh, better than Greg Norman. Um, I'm a fan of theatre, so I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, uh, enjoyed it immensely. Um, he also said what a fantastic event Gabs was, but then he uh, suggested somebody, and he was, given that he comes from one of the, the, the big houses, he uh, did preface it by saying, yeah, we've got no interest in this at all. Um, but he suggested we talk to a fellow uh, by the name of... Andrew on, Hunter. Just, sorry, uh, thanks, Prof. Uh, he, he suggested we talk to a fellow by the name of Andrew Hunter, um, who is a former CUB uh, rep, but sounds like a fascinating guy, um, and he has started a business called Optic. And, Prof, I had actually seen these around. They're those fairly flash-looking beer fonts where the top... It's like a, three yeah, like a font top. It's clear glass, and now we'll have to find out when we speak to Andrew exactly how they do work, um, because it obviously floods with a bit of the beer that's being poured from the, the keg, so you can see what the colour of the beer is. Um, is it filtered? Is it bright? Is it you know, brown? Yeah, it... and, and how dark is it? So it, it really provides a, a, some visual interest um, to, to, to bars. And I, I'd first seen it when we were invited along to the whatever the bar is on just outside the Melbourne um, Convention Centre down on the Yarra there. Um, and there was a bar there that had a time with Matilda Bay. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had... The, um, the boat... Um... Yeah, boat the boat builders arms or yeah. yes it was, so it was the boat builders arms it was also the matilda bay brew house um and they obviously had a tie in there so that was the first place i'd, I'd uh see them and i thought you know that they, they're rather striking and uh, I, I didn't realize that they were an australian invention so uh, yeah so um thank you very much to matt for um uh telling us uh, about them and uh yeah, Andrew certainly sounds like he's a, a fascinating guy. So, Prof, uh, why don't you introduce us to Andrew Hunter? No, we started by asking Andrew. So, who is Andrew Hunter? Well, Andrew Hunter is the director of uh, an Australian company called Streamline Beverage. And um, Streamline Beverage was uh, formed in 2009 um, off the back of, uh, of uh, previous Streamline equipment that the industry would be aware of. Um, the name Streamline actually started in 1999 um, uh, with a, a small patent family of products for um, dispensing beer. And, um, yeah, so Andrew Hunter uh, basically started, um, when he left school, he went straight into pubs and uh, was, a, was a glass collector for years and a barman and then a salaman and then he... Um, Ended up uh, becoming an installation and service technician for the Matilda Bay Brewery in North Fremantle, in uh, south of Perth. And um, the Matilda Bay Brewery was uh, purchased in around about 97, 98 by Carlton United Breweries. So I became an employee of CUB. And I worked for Carlton United um, uh, for a couple of years in Perth. Uh, in 2000, I relocated to Victoria. Um, and uh, ended up uh, 
working with CB and Fosters International. So I, I spent six years travelling around Australia installing and servicing their systems. And then um, in the mid-2000s, I was uh, installing into places like New Zealand, um, China, Hong Kong, uh, the Middle East, um, London, Edinburgh, and then um, a couple of jobs in the United States. So I've had an extensive experience with draft beer systems, some nationally and internationally. Um, I left the company in 2006 to um, start Streamline Beverage, and um, yeah, 2016, here we are, and we're uh, launching a new product called Optic. Yeah, and the optic, it's certainly for, uh, for those who haven't seen it yet, and we'll, we'll post some, uh, some sexy pics, uh, in the show notes when the podcast goes to air. But just sort of, uh, it, it's kind of like, uh, look, window shopping for beer nerds is probably putting, uh, you know, uh, making light of it. But essentially, you, if, if you could describe the, the system to us, might be the best way to go about it. Well, in some very simple terms, it's, uh, simply a sight glass on a beer font or beer tower. And um, what it's doing is it's allowing uh, patrons to see what they're purchasing. And um, and also uh, that what they're looking at is, is of the highest quality and standard. So it's a window into, it's a new insight for the consumer into, the, into um, draft products. So it's not only for beer, but it's also for wine and cocktails uh, and, and various other things you could do milk if you wanted to. But basically what we're finding is that uh, it's a new theatre uh, for, for presenting beer. Uh, it's an opportunity for um, the publicans to um, to really, uh, you know, present their draft offering in a new light. And, um, yeah, we're finding that um, consumers are just, they're stopping. It's a traffic stopper. They're, they're looking at it. They're taking time now. Uh, their decision making is changing. Andrew, um, I was going to say, just from the beer nerds' point of view, or, or perhaps from uh, we, we have a lot of uh, listeners who have a bit of a, an engineering bent, is does the um, the window glass yeah. display uh, permanently a yeah. sample of the beer, or is it the beer that's just about to come through the tap? How does how does it actually work? Uh, it is um, showing you the beer that you are about to drink. So. The uh, beer leaves the cool room uh, from the keg as usual, uh, travels down the beer lines to the bar, and then um, into the um, into the optic font, and then out of the tap. So the beer that you're seeing is the beer that you're drinking, and um, that's uh, one of the advantages of it is that you, you can, when you walk into the venue and you actually look at the products, and you see all the different colours and all that, uh, you know, from the dark stouts to the to the pale ales, and then and then you go to say really bright beers like cultures or um, lagers. Uh, consumer gets the opportunity to actually have a look at what they are going to drink, and um, and they're really excited about that. Mate, how did you come up with the idea? I mean, it's um, we've seen all sorts of uh, you know flooded fonts and you know ice fonts. What was it that led you to uh, to, to develop this as a as an idea? Had you seen it elsewhere, or is it uh, entirely you? Um, no, it was. My idea, um, it was probably born of uh, change. Um, I'm an innovative person by nature. Uh, those who know 
uh, of uh, me and Streamline in the Australian market have gotten used to the idea that I am an innovative person and I'm always trying to um, push the boundaries on uh, on draft products. I'm very passionate about draft beer in particular. And, um, uh, yeah, look, it was just, um, for me, it was an obvious step. It was an opportunity to, uh, you know, step away from the standard uh, beer font offering, which we're grown accustomed to, T-bar fonts and elbow fonts and pipeline fonts and on and on and on it goes. And the other um, aspect of the industry, which I was tiring of, was also just your standard uh, beer branding. Um, You know, up until now, the consumers have basically had to uh, stare at, um, you know, a a well-designed badge uh, from the brewer or try to decipher uh, what's going on 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 a craft beer chalkboard behind the bar. Um, with Optic now, you can actually zone in very quickly on the style of beer that you're looking for, whether it is, whether it is a dark or whether it is a light. So um, to me, it just seemed like an obvious step. From a logistics point of view, uh, Andrew, is this something that can be retrofitted to existing fonts or is it only available as a, uh, a new installation? Uh, Optic is designed uh, to be installed with Australia's most popular uh, draft dispense system, which is the chiller plate system. So the chiller plate system, or glycol chiller plate system, uh, as it's known, is um, is everywhere, and it is a very, very, fe- very efficient and effective system. So Optic has been designed to go with a glycol chiller plate system, and um, you can uh, walk into virtually any uh, venue and remove uh, their existing uh, beer fonts and uh, replace them with the optics. There may need to be some changes made uh, at the same time, it's usually just some smaller technical stuff that you know the installers around Australia are more than capable of dealing with. So the, the changing from one font style to optics is actually relatively simple, and it means that the... Uh, the publican or the venue um, doesn't have to uh, spend massive amounts of money doing uh, upgrades to back-of-house equipment. They can focus on just doing that change at the front, which is the bit that the consumer sees anyway. So, um, yeah, it's a relatively simple process. How hard was it to go from creating, having the idea to getting these things engineered? Well, the process of um, creating things new... Uh, or inventive personal company would know is actually difficult and uh, relatively painful because it involves time and investment. Um, uh, it has taken a few years to get together. Um, it has been a bit of a battle. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, basically I took it from a concept uh, to a prototype, literally, you know, in the backyard, so to speak, uh, from the prototype. Uh, I found a venue who was willing to go all the way and um, install, uh, retrofit their their bar, uh, 12 tap points, I think, 16 tap points. And um, so we uh, we put together 16 of these units and um, I installed them personally and uh, the rest is history, really. So now we've commercialised the product. Uh, It's getting traction. 
And, um, yeah, so we're, we're sort of up and away now, but it has taken a couple of years to get moving. How much did the development cost? You know, how, how much, uh, what was your R&D to, to get them to that stage? Well, uh, look, I've been a bit scared to look back on all that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, because I'd, I'd probably have to psychoanalyze myself at the same time. But um, the core costs actually are uh, in intellectual property because you do need to protect good ideas. Um, so there, there has been investment in that. Research and development uh, and prototyping, there are some good um, schemes going now with the federal government uh, that helps companies like mine uh, get ideas off the ground. Um, uh, so there are some incentive programs that we, that we used, uh, which is very helpful. Um, but, um, yeah, look, in terms of dollars, uh, I would say tens of thousands. Certainly not hundreds of thousands, but tens of thousands. Um, and but we got there in the end. No, the reason I ask is uh, because we've seen, uh, particularly the last uh, two or three years, the rise of crowdfunding schemes, where if someone has a good idea, they take it and get people to stump up money to to see it realised without actually taking the, the risk themselves. It sounds like you have backed yourself and bankrolled this whole thing, uh, you know, backing your judgment and your idea. Yeah, exactly. You're right about crowdfunding. It tends to be one of those, um, you know, it's a, it's a way of getting an idea on uh, that's on paper to reality. But uh, I just backed myself in and um, made things, you know, made it myself. Uh, went through all the pain, installed it myself, serviced it myself. You know, basically took it uh, to traction point. And um, so, really, we're miles down the track from where most people who see, uh, see crowdfunding are at. Um, this product, uh, you know, I don't think we really... I didn't feel I had the time to, you know, go to the trouble with crowdfunding. I think it's just easier just to put the head down and go for it. So, that's what I'm <laughs> Very, very old school. Now, the, the, the yeah, first time I saw it... So Sorry, Andrew, you go. I was going to say it wasn't an old school way of thought, but it's interesting now talking to potential distributors and investors uh, about the product, and they're actually amazed at how far I've managed to take it without getting other people involved. So there is there can be method to the madness. So how long have they been uh, out and about? I think the the first time I saw them was at a bar in Melbourne that was the Matilda Bay Bar. The uh, the, the, the what, what, what was it? The boat builders, maybe. The boat builders, Which are, yeah. I, well, I think it, well, it used to be called the boat builders. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's called boat builders. It's now called the General Assembly. Uh, in, uh, That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The General Assembly was actually a couple of installations down the track. Um, the first installation was in uh, Western Australia, um, sort of closer to my business, and uh, that was in 2014. Uh, mid 2014. So it's been about 18 months now since the product's been commercialised. And in that time, uh, we're in, uh, I'd have to check, but we're in about 20 venues now nationally. Uh, so almost in every state. And there's about 200 actual optic fonts, uh, installed around the country now. Um, and we're also, um, just doing trials in the United Kingdom and, uh, 
I'm waiting for the first installation to uh, take place in the United States. We have a, I've just sent some units over to uh, Montana. We have a, a craft brewery slash casino opening shortly, so I'm looking forward to seeing the results of that. Now, Andrew, we, we currently, as Radio Brews News is, is speaking to you as we speak, uh, you're actually doing some uh, filming filming some promotional material for it. Where can people who are interested in, in actually having a look at it, where will they be able to find it? Uh, well, if you're asking about specific venues, um, you know, you'd probably want to look at... Uh, well, in Victoria, there's the, the Croydon Hotel, the General Assembly. Um, you can go down to Launceston, in Tasmania. Um, uh, you can go to the Tapestry Bar in Toowoomba in Queensland. Um, you can go to the old Treasury Building uh, in uh, Perth City. Or you can go down to uh, the Vaspar Cafe in Busselton, in country WA. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, that's, uh, that, that's a bit of a surprise question because there's, there's a few of them out there. And I, if I had the list in front of me, I could tell you. <laughs> but... Actually, Andrew, I actually meant more sort of so online. Um, you're doing a video at the moment. Will people be able to yeah. you know log on to Streamline or something like that and, and I guess have a look at it in action if they can't get to a, a pub that already has it installed? Um, yeah, well, we have a uh, we have a website, obviously, uh, for Optic, and um, the website address is www.streamline-beverage.com.au, or you could simply uh, get on the search engine and um, search for Streamline Optic, O-P space T-I-K, and that will uh, take you straight to our homepage, and you can uh, click on the Venues tab, and that will... Uh, that will give you the list of venues that are currently pouring um, their draft uh, beer or wine through the optic font. And how much does uh, each of the taps compared uh, cost compared to a normal uh, font? Well, the optic font is a relatively expensive compared to the standard offering, and the reason for that is that the standard offering is just that. It's standard. Uh, products, uh, font products in, in particular, are getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And, uh, and that's the way they look and feel. Um, the optic is, uh, 100% stainless steel. It's very robust. It's top quality. Uh, it's, uh, it's a serious piece of, um, engineering and, uh, it, um, it has got a great lifespan. Uh, it's fully back. And, um, yeah, so optic, uh, we're not, uh, we don't expect to see optic into your average Joe's pub. Uh, we're, we're seeking premium venues, venues with, uh, with a great draft culture and, uh, venues who really, uh, want to have a focus on their draft. They want their, they want their draft offering to stand out, uh, from the pack. Um, so it costs a little bit more, but if you're retrofitting optic into, uh, into an existing draft use system, it's actually not that expensive when you consider you don't have to spend a lot of money back at house. So there are advantages. One of the uh, topics that we've discovered, uh, discussed on Radio Brews News recently is looking at tap contracts and, you know, a lot of venues going to one of the big brewers to, um, defray the cost of installing 
um, you know, tap and draft systems. Um, and, and I have to say that the couple of times I've seen Optic um, was at the Matilda Bay Bar, um, the, the General Assembly, and then also recently at a shipping container bar that Little Creatures ran. Have you found that it's been mainly the bigger brewers who have been forking out rather than smaller independent bars? Um, no, it's the opposite, actually. I get more business from independent um, publicans and venues than I do from the majors. Um, uh, Carlton United have uh, obviously installed Optic into some of their Matilda Bay venues. They've used that as their sort of flagship font for that, which has been fantastic. And I do mm. have had a long relationship with CUB. However, uh, and, and I've approached um, Lion Nathan as well, uh, with not much luck, they, they don't seem terribly interested. But um, the, the majors uh, will poke things with the stick for a few years before they, they really get involved. But most of my business is actually coming from independent uh, venues and, and microbreweries, um, getting a lot of interest from the US at the moment uh, because they they do want something different. Um, the big breweries, yeah, they're, they're, they're looking at it. But they're big ships to steer, and um, they're a bit hard to turn. So they'll, they'll come on board eventually uh, when they see that the market is reacting. Um, but um, they they tend not to go in hard early. That's a that's a story we've told on uh, more than one occasion, Andrew. A, a big ship to steer. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to uh, include that in my vocabulary from now on. <laughs> yeah, once once you get them to turn, it's good. But uh, trying to get your hands on the wheel that's the hard bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, uh, Andrew, we better let you get back to because uh, you know these these videos aren't going to make themselves. So we'll uh, we'll let you get back into the director's chair and uh, and sort out the crew. But uh, thanks very much for joining us today on Radio Brews News. Yeah, thank you. And I, I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank you guys from Brews News very much because uh, without uh, your help. Uh, smaller independent companies like myself would struggle to uh, attract um, attention. So I really appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you guys again soon. No worries, Andrew. Thank you very much. Cheers, brother. Well, there we go, Matt. Andrew Hunter and Optic. Uh, so for those who are listening to this rather than being able to read it, it's uh, two words, O-P and then T-I-C, Optic. Uh, and yeah, Prof, I'm not going to pretend because we're actually recording this before we speak to Andrew just because of the... <laughs> Spoil the magic. <laughs> so, but no, look, he, he, yeah, um, but <laughs> we'll probably let that speak for itself. Oh, and, I think uh, that's the best way to go, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> it really needs nothing else for us to say. Now, Prof, um, do you want to talk us into cards and letters? Well, Hey, now, at the risk of, you know, saying, you know, do you want to shit can anything else, Matt? But you weren't happy with that, with Lockie's last effort at cards and music, uh, cards and letters music. Oh, no, I thought, I thought it was, was a bit dark, a bit, a bit it, foreboding. It was, yeah, it was a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't my you cup of tea. I, I thought he absolutely outdid himself and made up for it beautifully with his uh, Everything is Awesome outro. Done from, especially. From the Lego music. Yeah, oh, and look, yes, I appreciated yeah. that. So uh, I, have, I, have, I, wonder... I have tried to slip in a couple of bits and pieces for for Lockie to to pick up on. I, I noticed my my Bruges um, uh, reference went straight through to the keeper with you, but I, rec- yeah, I reckon Lockie will have, will have picked it up. 
There, there were a couple. Um, but, yeah, no, we'll, we'll see. Given that everything was awesome last week, I wonder whether he can find a uh, theme song for me. And for, for, for forevermore, that is going to be your theme song. Um, <laughs> yours, will, just, yours will be something like Leonard Cohen or <laughs> Tom Waits. Or <laughs> Country so, like, yeah. So if you can find a song that uh, is me shit canning everything, <laughs> everything is shit bull. <laughs> but anyway, a uh, little bit of a quiet. Um, oh no, what well, we did, we got a um, iTunes review this week. Well, hang on, hang on, um, hang on. So Lockie, play some cards and letters music. There you go. Does that make up for it, Matt? That does make up for it. Um, now, uh, Matt, do we have any cards and letters? We do. We've had a review come in on iTunes. Um, sweet up and sweet up and down under is is his name. Um, thoroughly enjoyable and informative podcast um, is the header. Um, five stars. This podca- podcast is probably the best place to keep up to date with what's happening across the beer scene in Australia and occasionally beyond, covering a range from new entries to the craft market to the big boys. Matt and Pete always entertain and never hesitate to voice an opinion. Oh, Matt. And look, and look, I should point out too, I don't know how you feel because I haven't, haven't had a chance to ask you, but how does it feel to be the, um, the second best podcast, uh, beer podcast in Australia? Is it? I, I missed the awards. I don't know whether you, you didn't put a, a, a thing in maybe. Did, you didn't um, put an entry form in or an application? No, no. Well, no, I, noticed no a, I noticed a tweet from, uh, from our good mates, Dave and, uh, and Luke, over at Ale of a Time, who were, who were uh, as we speak, actually, I think they're over in um, South Australia now, um, presenting at a, um, a seminar on podcasting, and they were listed as uh, Australia's best beer podcast. Australia's number one beer podcast. Oh, okay. I did see. I, I saw that they were doing that, and good luck to them. And I think, you know, <laughs> I, I, I um, actually would have felt quite embarrassed to be asked. Um, I, I think we're out of the demographic that can effectively communicate to the kids about podcasting, Prof. <laughs> How are you, young scallywags? Listen here, ripper snappers. No yeah, need. No, no, there's no need for loud electrical guitar music. <laughs> And all of these beards, prof, and tattoos, and piercings. What's it, and would it what's kill you to get a haircut? And go out and get a real job. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm quite happy for uh, for Luke and Dave to, to carry that cudgel, and I think they, I mean, that's certainly what they do for a living, I think. So, uh, yeah. But um, let, let me get back to sweet up and down under. Um, and he says, uh, Matt and Pete always entertain and never hesitate to voice an opinion. Well, I think he's talking about me there, prof, but... Uh, and then he says, especially great when the discussion flows freely and the mic is shared between both of the boys and their guests. So I think reading, yeah, reading between the lines there, Prof, I think that's where they want more of you. Um, I've learned a stack about beer brewing and the beer industry through listening to these guys yarn. So uh, thank you very much, uh, sweet up and down under. There we go. Uh, uh, in other, had, had a comment, um, let me see, from Hay. At Nigel Ayling, sorry, uh, from We Love Craft Beer, which is a Facebook group um, group um, dedicated to craft beer. Um, hey, guys, love the banter, like a married couple, in inverted commas. 
I agree with Matt about the quality of some of the festival beers at Gabs, though. Some of them were a bit uh, like homebrew and were, and were just not good quality beers, which is different to saying I didn't like them. Hold on, I'm sorry. Some of them were a bit like homebrew and just not good quality beers, which is... Oh, okay, which is... Yeah, okay, I see what he's saying, which is a bit uh, like different to saying I didn't like them. So he's not saying that he just didn't like them, he was saying that they weren't good beers. There were also some well-brewed beers that I didn't like, but overall I think there were a lot of great beers and I enjoyed the vibe there too. Keep up the great work, guys. Um, well, Nigel, thank you very much for for that comment. Excellent, and uh, more of them. Um, now, Prof, has anyone whispered in your ear this week? Nothing this week, Matt. Are you sure? Yeah, no, I'm saving them up for the 100th episode. Okay, okay so, so Matt's, Matt's greatest misses. Something like that. Okay, well, that, that's cards and letters. Um, there, there wasn't too much news, so we didn't talk too much about news in the intro. Uh, we, we did, however, get one. We, we launched our huge drive for, for Patreon, um, which is people who listen to the program who might want to support us um, and maybe you know, sort of help us defray some of the costs or even, you know, buy prof a couple of beers um, in, in the week. Um, you can head along to our Brews News uh, Patreon page, which is Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Osbrews News. Uh, and I'm not sure, look, we thank you very much to our first sponsor, um, who is uh, our good friend. Uh, so, uh, I don't know quite how to refer to him, Prof. It's... Uh... Well, you could say Dan Summers, also known as Fro- well, Frozen Summers. Well, but everyone knows, that's the thing, everyone knows him as Frozen, Frozen Summers. Summers. Yeah. Do, do people know him as Dan Summers? Dan. Or Dan Summers? I re- yeah. I'm sure his missus does. I'm sure, uh, you know, other people do. I should ask, but um, Dan, uh, Frozen, maybe you could let us know um, how you want your production credit, but he has come in, and I'd, it's come up as $4, but I'm presuming that he's hit the $5 donation button. Well, and and Dan Patreon can... gets one of that. And Patreon gets one of that. So, uh, yeah, no, st- thank you very much to Dan for coming on as our very first uh, patron. And I uh, hope I wasn't out of line with that crack about the electrical guitar music. <laughs> yes. He's the uh, king of... Uh, I think he probably plays his own guitar music, actually. I, I think his is all yeah, original compositions. Original very composition. very, very he, talented young fella. And the very uh, the most prodigious um, podcaster going. So check out his frozen beer reviews. But no, thank you very much. And yeah, look, listeners, if you do like us, we we did. You know, we, we've got no idea. And the, the reason we've held off uh, for 93 episodes asking for anything is because we di- really didn't think that everyone would uh, want to contribute money. But then people keep telling us, oh yeah, look, we'd we'd love to support you. So uh, we have put it up. We did toy with the idea of being a Skype where you just make a, a flat out you know, donation PayPal. Um, once a year and we could do a bit of a, you know, like a uh, drive, like a, like the old telethon, public <laughs> radio, yeah, telethon or a public radio station. Um, phone in now and uh, we'll read your donation out. But then we thought, well, look, we, we have had issues in the past where we haven't been all that regular. And maybe this is a way to encourage us to be regular rather than just, you know, give us maybe 20, 40, 50, 60 bucks um, a, a year for your uh, 52 episodes of content and then we only deliver 16. We have been pretty good at that though, Prof. Um, yeah, uh, a monthly, um, donation where if we hit our targets, we get our four episodes out, um, you, you just pay $5, um, for that and then we can put in some bonus content. So 
look, we'll, we'll give it a month or two. Um, we'll, we'll see whether there is any support for it. We would love your support. If you do like what we do, um, please head to the, the... There is a link off the show notes page. Um, otherwise, you can just go to Patreon and you can make a donation and uh, you know, certainly help us um, you know, make what we do worthwhile. But uh, no, thank you very much to, to Dan for, for coming on and uh, hopefully we'll get a couple more. Um, so yeah, so Prof can buy himself a beer um, at the end of the month. Uh, now, Prof, what's coming up for this week? Uh, as in coming up for our next episode, do you mean? Or just what, what's what, on this week? Nothing, nothing on this week. Well, it's a, I've got a, a flat week before we head to Auckland to take Gabs to the masses to our brothers and sisters across the ditch. I'm trying to think of next week. Well, next week I've got, I'm hosting a, an event with Costa from La Serene in Brisbane that's uh, going to go live this week. So, uh, I've started a little, I used to do the hump day beer tastings, prop, yes. which was a Wednesday night beer tasting. And I just, you know, I, I had a really great crowd of, um, uh, people, uh, regulars who would come in once a month. Um, but then there was, you know, the, the number of bars that opened up and everyone's got the rotating taps and things. And I, to be honest, I got a little bit bored with, uh, so I needed a bit of a break, but, uh, I'm coming back, um, with a thing I'm calling the book club. So it's just going to be, you know, a, a little bit like, uh, once a month you come in and discuss, you know, some, some new beers that have been out and discuss them like a, a book club, um, a little bit of food and, uh, you know, get a couple of brewers along to, you know, it's like getting the author along to talk about it. So that kicks off next. Thursday night um, with uh, Costa from La Serene. So if you're a Brisbane listener, uh, jump on the Beer Mat website and uh, you, you'll find that. Um, otherwise, we've got regional flavours coming up, which is my highlight of the, you know, one of my absolute highlights of the year. And uh, tomorrow I'm brewing a beer, which will have passed by the time we get there. I'm uh, heading into the Charming Squire to brew a... Regional Flavours Beer with um, Rob Freshwater and the guys there. Um, I should say that it's not a big brewery event because we've got four independent craft breweries um, in the hunting club, each with two of their craft beers. But the food is being provided by the Mantle Group, which uh, runs the Charming Squire and are awesome uh, caterers. So um, as part of that, they're just going to do a, a one-off beer. So we're going to tweak the... Um, and that this was my suggestion. Um, we tweaked the standard Squires Porter, which I am an absolute fan of, and uh, we're going to put a little bit of smoke into it, which I think will go quite nicely with some, uh, you know, barbecued beef. Very nice. And, and so a regional flavours, one, absolute cracker. A really good uh, public event. Yeah, I mean, it it, it is a um, an event that's had beer and had independent beer for a long time, and you know, we we do have the Good Food and Wine Show. Um, which Kiralee is uh, the there has taken beer to them, um, and without taking any way anything away from that, it's a very different proposition. The Good Food and Wine Show is a is an event company, um, and they charge you know a, a fair whack. If you want to have a stall there for the weekend or the three days, you know it's, you, you're looking at a thousand dollars if you're an exhibitor, and then if you're a member of the public who wants to go along, you're looking at what forty or fifty bucks to to get in, and then to go to one of Kiralee's beer classes, which are sponsored by Dan Murphy's. Um, you know, you've, you've got to pay 12 bucks, and so the events company takes it. This is run by Southbank Parklands in Brisbane, and um, it's a free event. It's a it's a free event for the public to go along. So they get about 90,000 through over the weekend. Um, but then they also really keep small local exhibitors. So you've got farmers there, um, you've got small jam makers and small chutney makers, and people who are making dips, and um, you know a whole range of producers. Um, 
who are from the southeast Queensland region, and that only costs them a couple of hundred bucks to, to be there. So they make money out of it. They're, their products are exposed to a wide variety of people, um, and they've kept uh, the, you know, the the beer taps independent. Where you know they've, they've got uh, four. So we've got Bolter, we've got Green Beacon, we've got Newstead, and we've got Four Hearts. So you know, four small local uh, you know, southeast Queensland breweries um, getting to pour their beer and showcase them to a whole range of uh, people that may not have tried them before. So really, really exciting event. So uh, yeah, I'm. It's one of the things I've been associated with for five years now, and uh, absolutely love it getting on stage with some of the guys like. Um, uh, Paul West from River Cottage Australia and Alistair McLeod, who's a local celebrity chef, as much as I hate that term. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's coming up for me in a couple of weeks' time. So uh, put that in your calendars. Done. Uh, yeah, Prof, well, mate, nice job hosting there, Prof. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and hopefully that'll get the tills <laughs> rattling so people can see that you're doing some work and uh, you, their, their prayers are being answered. Earning my pay. That's it. And, and, and don't forget that, uh, listeners, if you are, um, a, if you're willing to sort of kick in, it's a, it's a fairly hefty donation, $10 a month or around about $120 a year. Not only do you get a shout out and a executive producer's credit, um, on, on the show, you also get to join us in the hot seat and, uh, you can nominate a guest that you would like to answer some questions with and you can have 10 minutes with whoever your, um, brewer is. And, Mate, I, I can't promise anything, Prof, but I, I reckon that, you know, we only may, we may be the second best podcast in Australia, but I reckon that we've got the clout to get just about anybody. I can't think of too many people that we couldn't get on um, with enough time and notice. No, I can think of a couple. <laughs> like who? <laughs> no, I'm not going to mention them because they won't come on. Have I burnt a few bridges? Who? Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. We've already had one before. Oh, well, yeah. I don't history, think it's history after the outro. <laughs> okay. So, Prof, mate, mate, well, take us out, Prof. This is your show. Well, thanks very much for joining us on uh, Radio Brews News. We'll be back uh, more regular than ever starting next week. We've got uh, quite a few things coming up in the works. We've got uh, a chat with the guys from Hobart Brewing Company coming up and another couple of little secrets that uh, are still to be uh, confirmed. Um, but because he's not answering my emails, if anyone sees Warren Pawsey, Warren Pawsey, Warren Pawsey, please re- return your return our email. Let us know. We'd love to get you on and have a chat. Take us out, Lockie. And we're out. Nice. I like what you did there. <laughs> oh, well, that's... Yeah, that's, no, I'll, uh, I, that's, yeah I'll, um, I'll try and get... Uh, have you got Vincent Rui's number? Just, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he'll come back. Uh, I'm just going back through there. Uh, Sean Nalen, uh, I don't think he won't come back. Yeah, but, he'd come back. He'd, oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we didn't ruffle any feathers there. Oh, don't know about that. <laughs> Go on, Prof. Say it. <laughs> and now we're really out. <laughs>